insert additional coin. It's Gakesy Lee. You honor me with your presence. Crispy Lee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's sports unsealed. We will not back down. Game on, everybody, and welcome to launch week, second launch week, kind of, I guess it's the second wave, because fantasy football draft season's officially here, and you know how we know that, Chris knows that, because we were live in New York, Flex Draft, Flex Weekend, kick things off, we're, we're here for you guys, we're here to get you rolling for this season, it is Sports Unsealed, it is Jake Seely, Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler with you as always, and if you're not paying attention, go over to the draft kit, which you've probably already seen because you're on The Athletic, but... We updated with announcement today. We got Corey Parson. We've got Matt Modica, who is using used to do baseball and is doing baseball and football to bring over his high stakes for you guys this year. And we have what? What else do we have? We have new additions, don't we, Chris? We have another new addition. Um, we do. That guy. Yes. I don't have um, the brain for it now. That I just I just pulled up his Moody, account. right? Thank you, Eric Moody. Yes. I said the the E was in my head, and then I thought Emery Hunt. And as soon, you know how that is. It was like as soon as you yes. think of something, somebody else's name, it's impossible to remember the person's name you were trying to remember. So that's what happened. I was trying to stall if you didn't notice, and I couldn't think of it, so I just called myself out. But make sure you're checking all that out. We got the podcast. There's going to be more coming. We have an audio draft kit of some of the articles if you want to listen if you're on the road. So there's a ton of that stuff. All that stuff is here for you. But we're back together because we have to talk about We'll talk about the flex draft a little bit. Not so much like, oh, look at our teams because you don't care. But some of the things Chris and I noticed, get Brad's thoughts on some of the things that might have happened for his perspective of saying, you know what, I didn't think it would be that way or vice versa. But anyway, we got to jump into the biggest news. Well, uh, there's a lot from the weekend, but I would say Antonio Brown's probably the biggest, right, guys? That's got to be the biggest, right? Yeah, there is a lot, but I would say so. Antonio Brown uh, is the biggest, and I saw a picture of his feet yesterday, and I didn't want to see it, and I, I felt sick <laughs> after. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, working out in flip-flops and gave himself bunions, or like, what the hell happened? But whatever it is, Antonio Brown's got a foot issue. It was day-to-day, day-to-day, day-to-day. And then he goes to see a foot specialist. The reports from the foot specialists are that it's he's still day to day. Well, thanks for the clarification, buddy. I mean, I guess at least it's not worse than it's, hey, he's out for three to four weeks. But Chris and Brad, so you know, we were in the middle of the auction draft. And Matt Deutsch. Was when that, yeah, when that news came across, I heard yeah, it. Matt, Matt Deutsch came in the room and said, I don't know what to do. I figured you guys would want to know. Antonio Brown is on his way to see a foot specialist. Uh, there was only, I think the majority of the people wanted to hear it. I said, that's fine. If you want to consider me the commissioner, whatever. Uh, most of the people did want to hear it. I mean, I, if I had just bought them, I'd be kind of frustrated. So I understood the majority of people did. The only problem that happened, Chris and Brad, the thing that the, the kind of threw things for whack is Derek Van Riper went stars and scrubs. He already had three big name running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. And was it McCaffrey, Chris? Do you remember? Uh, he's got, he had Barkley, Bell and Gurley. There you go. Barkley, so they had yep. Barkley, he was going pure stars and scrubs, and the news comes in, and he gets Antonio Brown for $28 because nobody knew what to do. And $28 is go- either going to be a supreme value or it's going to be a wasted $28. But the thing is, it kind of helped his team for his strategy, which is just unfortunate time. Like if it was two minutes earlier and he had already went somewhere else for 40 bucks, it wouldn't have mattered. If it was, you know, a couple minutes later into the draft and he didn't have the money to even go to 28, it wouldn't have mattered. It's just bad timing. But all that being said, Chris, 
Is 28 in your mind good, bad? What would you have done in an auction? Where would you take him in a draft as of today with this news? Yeah, we were – so when we said – we talked about him last week and I was saying I was getting some shares of him in the middle of the second. I don't know. Maybe I'd push it to the end of this – the end of the second now. I mean, 28 bucks is a steal. It really is. And if you look at Derek Van Riper's team, I mean, he's got a lot of high upside guys, as, as you know, you mentioned. We just talked about his running backs and then Aaron Rodgers. So I think 28 bucks is, is fair. I was a little cautious myself. I, I was – you know, looking back at that at that auction, Brown was somebody that probably should have been a little bit more aggressive on. I mean, it just seems like this is something that Brown has maybe just been dealing with for a little bit. I mean, you just don't wake up and have all those blisters on your feet. Like, I don't think that he just got them recently. <laughs> I feel like this is just – I feel like it's low-key, to be honest. Like, the fact that he tweeted it out – like, this is what my feet's looking like, guys. It's just blisters, you know what I mean? It's not, like, anything significant. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I thought they were Funyuns. I don't know. Bunions, blisters. Which is why like... I never ate Funyuns, by the way, because it sounded too <laughs> close like Bunions. Fair. But, yeah, I mean, they don't look good. I'll say that. I mean, his, the, the feet are – I'm looking at them now, and I don't know why I'm doing it to myself. Like, it's just it, – it just it looks nasty. <laughs> So I'll say this. I mean, we've seen with baseball players how how long blisters can linger, and it, let's say they are blisters, whatever they are. Um, but how long they can linger when you keep using it over and over again? You, I mean, obviously you can't play football without being on your feet all the time. There, there is a chance that this is something that is constantly going because the only way he's going to be able to get rid of whatever that is 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 to rest to not be on it like you, this isn't something where you can like play through it because you're going to make it worse whenever if you're if you're on your feet and playing so it, it's it's either you're going to to play at you know half speed or three-quarter speed or whatever you've got or you're not going to play at all because there's there's not this isn't something you can just kind of push through and, and ignore like it was there so i don't know to me th this is I, I'm, a lot, I guess, a little more concerned. I wasn't overly high on him to begin with, um, you know, just, just going to Oakland, and I'm just not a – even if there's no other options there in reality in the, in the receiving game, I wasn't high on him making that move anyways. I know they're going to probably try to feed him the ball, but, but I've got him now at my wide receiver 12, and I wouldn't take him. I definitely wouldn't take him until the, the middle, mid to late third round and that's kind of only if if all the other guys that I have above him are gone because I, I I'm not I don't feel like there's a lot of upside there whenever you know he is a little bit older he's 31 now he's had a I mean a lot of use over the course of his career and now he's got foot issues and I know it's different than AJ Green but it's that it's it just feels very similar to me and people are completely off of AJ Green right now I mean he's going in the the late sixth round or whatever in in your flex deal and and everybody was like, oh, that's an overpay. I would have never taken him in the sixth round. Like, I, and, But people are still okay taking Brown in the second or third. Like, there's there's no – like, to me, there's no way I would take him that high. And I can understand it. I think the difference is we've heard from the – the A.J. Green was, you know, oh, we hope to get him for the first half. And that's – you know, you guys know that. My initial reaction was hope for the first half. Good yeah. God. That, well, that means I'm projecting you for maybe six games. So, like, that's – and if I get you for more bonus and kudos to me for being able to take that game. But I'm with you on that, Brad. I think that's the only reason is I'm I'm leaning more towards you is that if I was in a snake, I would think about it in the fourth, which sounds like it's still too early for you. But I would think about it just because still as of today, it's day to day. And my hope, and to your point, is I'm with you in the fact that he needs the rest. I'm hoping that that means they're not going to use him at all the preseason until he's 100%, which I understand means he can't get acclimated to the Oakland Raiders. But at the same time where I think 
I'm assuming you're coming from, Chris, is Antonio Brown, and I don't care. Like, I understand he's working with a new quarterback. I understand he's working for a new offense, but it's still Antonio Brown. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't feel like he's going to follow the fourth. And you know, if he falls in the third, I think you take a shot at that point. I mean, why not? I again, I just feel like. I agree with you, both of you guys, too. He's probably definitely going to have to rest. And John Gruden came out and said, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, he hasn't been on the football field with us and we don't feel like he will. I, like, I'm paraphrasing here, but it seemed like from reading the quotes that he doesn't expect Brown to be with the team on the field, you know, over the next couple of weeks. So he probably is going to rest. So, he, yeah, he, maybe he will fall fourth. Maybe he's going to continue to fall down draft boards. But, yeah, I, you know, I get to a point where in the third round, you know, especially if I start back back, and I see Antonio Brown there, mid third, late third. Yeah, I'm gonna jump on that value all day. You start back, 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 back. back. <laughs> yeah, back, back, back. Gone. Antonio Brown, gone for the year. No, um, you know, hopefully not for anybody who has shares. But I, I, I see the upside there, and I see the risk. It's just like Derek, right, with 28 bucks, for example. Like, I think that's a good price. I think that's a fair price. I mean, AJ Green went for 17, 18 bucks, roughly. Like, I'd rather take the shot on Brown. Where, like, you said, Jake, we know that. Well, I can assume. Um, that AJ is going to be out for a few weeks, anyways, to start the year. Would you, well, real quick, we'll finish on that, Brad. Is is twenty eight reasonable for you in an auction, or would you not even go that high? That's that's too high for me. Um, I I just feel like there are so many other guys that I am okay with having in that same range that I would rather spend the money on somebody that who, whose feet don't look like they're falling apart and <laughs> and that's i mean it's literally it's fair like it's a fair just, point <laughs> they're they're peeling off like i mean i would rather have at that point i mean i would so. rather have stefan diggs you know like it, it's you know and i would never prior to two weeks ago i would have never drafted diggs over antonio brown right now i would have zero in, issues doing that because diggs is healthy i you know he's gonna be productive we know that and i at least know that that his feet don't look like that and that I mean it just I don't know it just when you you got a guy who his whole game is it's not like he's a burner that's going to beat you down the field his whole game is shiftiness side to side that's a lot of pressure on those feet going side to side I just I don't know to me I'm totally okay staying away from him that's that's a fair point look look, I I hate feet I mean hate 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 like I don't even care if you just stepped out of the shower don't put your feet on me I I, I (laughs) and this is why I haven't looked but the more that you guys keep talking about it you gotta look I no that's I I legitimately haven't looked at like I okay I watched the Louisville kid when you know unfortunate for him in in the NCAA tournament I've watched you know like anytime it's like oh my god it's so gross you like the knee blah blah like I've watched I'm not don't you can put the link in there I'm not clicking on it I'm not looking <laughs> I'm not looking at this but this you got you got to look because like did it no. just happen like did he just wake up no I feel like this is this I, is something that's bothered no. him maybe last year did he play like this last year and play through pain I don't know I wouldn't be shocked to hear that no, I'm completely no, no, no. I don't care. I, you guys have described it well enough, and we oh, can move man, on. And I'm not going to look. And so let's just let's okay. go. You know what? It would frustrate me, and I purposely set that up because let's talk about something that's frustrating the team and might frustrate Brad on this show. Damian Williams. Well, it's definitely going to frustrate me because I think I own like a hundred percent of Damian Williams. But <laughs> Damian Williams. They're starting to get a little bit, the report is they're starting to get a little bit frustrated with his slowness to return from the injury. And we've also got that now coupled with that Andy Reid has been impressed by Carlos Hyde filling in for him so far. We don't even have a preseason game yet. 
and they're still hoping to get him back. And like, we haven't even had their first preseason game. Like, we're not even a game two. Game two is what matters. So we haven't had their first preseason game. Darwin Thompson's look good. Carlos High is going to, we got a report that's also going to say the whatever the pecking order is behind them, including Daryl Williams, is going to be performances in the preseason. So all these reports are out there. But the biggest one, Brad, obviously, is Damian Williams isn't on the field. Carlos Hyde was brought in as the backup plan if Damian Williams falls on his face, if Damian Williams gets hurt, is the more time he's out, possibly pushed to a threat of Carlos Hyde taking touches away from him weekly and being somebody that Andy Reid has never done before because we know what Andy Reid is, and that's why if you're a fan of Damian Williams, you're a fan of the fact that it's the opportunity. It's going to be Damian Williams. Do you think it could change Andy Reid's style, or do you think as long as he's ready by week three or so of the preseason, everything's going to be fine? I honestly think he's going to be fine. I, you know, I've actually talked to a couple of the Chiefs beat writers, and they say like the the Williams thing is it's inside all information. Right now. Yeah, they, they said it's all very precautionary right now. They just don't want him to come back and aggravate it and turn this into a long-term thing. At the same time, Andy Reid, it is well known, at least here and maybe maybe in all football circles, he is constantly adding new plays. I think he just sits around his hotel room or dorm room or wherever he's at you know, right now for training camp and, and just constantly draw, draws up new plays and, and has new ideas and creative ideas to... to you know, make his team successful, put guys in a position for success. And that to me is what, what Damian Williams, what his best chance for, for success is, is because Andy Reid is going to highlight his, his strengths. Well, right now he's not getting those reps. He's, and that's, you know, I understand why Andy Reid's frustrated because there might be a hundred new plays or, or, or at least 50 new plays since he got hurt that they're trying to implement because it's just a constant thing. He, he preaches, he needs his veterans at OTAs because they've got all these things they want to implement and they don't want guys trying to catch up and, and cram it all into training camp. So, so I, I understand the frustration. I personally am not worried because we still have a, you know, a little over a month before the first game of the season. And if he's healthy and ready to go, they saw at the end of last year, there's no way Carlos Hyde is going to take a job over a healthy Damian Williams. Injury is the only thing that's going to slow him down. And I'm not worried. Like, he knows enough of the playbook that I'm not worried um, that that they were like, oh, Carlos Hyde's going to start week one because Williams doesn't know the playbook. I, I'm not buying that. Like, there might just right. be a few plays that they, they don't do call you, uh, when he's on the field. Do you want to guess off the – and I know this is a simple stat and it's not doesn't tell the entire picture, but it's still a jump-off point. Do you want to guess, and Chris, you too, do you want to guess what Carlos Hyde's yards per attempt were last year? I, I saw it this morning. Okay, Chris, do you want to guess? Uh, man, I don't know, 4-9? 4-9? Nine. Oh, <laughs> <Four> nine? <laughs> you overshot by about like <laughs> three. Three point three, right? Yeah, well, then what's the, what's all the hype then? Like seriously? And, no, no, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you guys know how I feel about this. I'm not he was shocked 3. that Damian the year before. Yeah, Francisco. I think Carlos Hyde is better. I think he's a better running back. I'm not surprised. Wait, wait, Damian Williams? No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, you're, you're saying Carlos Hyde's? Oh, his Carlos last year was Hyde 3. was three. Yeah. three. Okay, got yeah. you, got you, got you. Anyways, I was just like, way to pay attention. Chris. Yeah, I mean, you guys got me <laughs> rattled about Damian Williams. I mean, there's just so much <laughs> hype with this guy i'm not surprised that he's already hurt again like we don't need to beat the drum here but this is somebody who's only had 20 carries once this is somebody who's never had over 50 carries in a season and he's already dinged up 
I'm not surprised. Like, I do think Carlos Hyde is better. And I think if you put him in that offense, he's going to put up very similar numbers. I mean, he had one year where he had he flirted with 90 catches. He's been just shy of 1,000 yards twice in his career. Damian Williams hasn't done this. He's had a couple good games in a really, really good offense. So I understand Andy Reid's frustrations. And, I, you know, I read his quotes. He's missed, a, he's missed quite a bit. He's missed a lot of plays. And... Yeah, guys, like even Darwin Thompson, you mentioned him, Jake, just a, a little bit. There's some KC beat writers really talking him up, too, how good he looks in this offense. And that just goes to show, like, it's Andy Reid and what he's been able to do over the course of his career with just any running back that he plugs in there. Um, so I, I have concerns. We're talking about Brown not drafting him in the second. Damian Williams is an easy fade for me. Right, I, I will say this about uh, – yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely wrong. But I will say this about Dar- <laughs> Darwin Thompson – um, I, I think they see Darwin Thompson purely as a, a, a receiving back, the third down back, the, yes, the, the two-minute back, because he's not big enough to, to handle the every down load. And they did it all last year. When Kareem Hunt was healthy and playing, they still had Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware playing the third down role the whole time. Like, it was, it was never three downs of Kareem, Kareem Hunt. So um, I don't see – I think that's the way they see getting Damian Williams through the season when he's healthy – you know, Hyde is a nice backup. I think Daryl Williams is a nice backup and, and, and kind of maybe like a, a goal line back. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't like Darwin Thompson. People, th- I, I, I saw him go really high in the second round of a, of a rookie draft that I was in. And I texted the guy, but I was like, wow, that's really early. And he said, he's taking the job mid season. I'm like, what in the world? Like, there's no way. What are you reading? And, and so it, it's, it's just, it's, it's funny to me how, I'm not saying Darwin Thompson is not a good football player, but he's not an every down back and he's not taking the lead role in this offense. No, I completely agree. No, I agree with that too. Yeah. So, you know who's not taking a lead back, back job right now? <laughs> that was the transition of the day right there. Deontay Love Foreman. It. Deontay Foreman released. He gone. Shot. Like, so here's how it happened, Brad. Well, I woke up in the hotel room. I went and did my bathroom stuff and, you know, I got hopped on my laptop. Chris heads into the shower. I open up the laptop and I'm like, Holy crap. And so I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I'm like, God, hurry up and take a shower. I just I can't wait to tell him. Like I was just I don't know why. It was just kind of cool to have like breaking news. Like so Chris walks out of the bathroom and was like, guess what? It's like got the foreman freaking just because I'm I'm beyond shocked. I think most people are beyond shocked. It's not the fact that got the foreman was like everyone would be like a bell cow, top twelve run like but we all we've talked about it before. It's like this team has been made it clear that they kind of want to push Lamar Miller aside. But this tells them the complete opposite. And the report on top of this was apparently that he didn't show up into camp in shape and that his work ethic wasn't great. And they just said, forget it. And now there's talk about Demerit Crockett, who people didn't even know about until most people didn't even know the name until last week when this happened. And then the other people is like, it sounds like Higdon's ahead of uh, Gillespie from the draft. But anyway, Josh Ferguson's on this team from the Colts, if people remember him. It's basically a mess behind him. And it sounds and looks like it's going to be Lamar Miller's job, just like it was last year. Mm. And Lamar Miller seems to be what we see all the time, Chris. Uh, Brad, all three drafts. Oh, because you weren't in all three, Chris. I was in all three. Not on all three. I actually was only in two. Fortunately, we actually had enough people this year. But I was in the room for all three. And every single time the person who drafted Lamar Miller, it was, all right, Lamar Miller, whatever, I guess. I'll take him. You know, okay, $15. Lamar Miller, whatever. Nobody's ever excited about drafting Lamar Miller. With Deonta Foreman gone, Chris, could you be excited about drafting Lamar Miller now? I guess, yeah. He gets so much disrespect. Maybe he'll finally get respected. And guys will probably reach on Lamar Miller now, which is crazy because I don't know if his – 
if his usage really changes all that much. I mean, Foreman hasn't been around. He wasn't around yet, last year at all. So there is a great article, uh, you know, at the Athletic from Emory Hunt mentioning those guys that you, you talked about, Jake. So, you know, Higdon and, and Crockett. So I'd, I'd definitely go check that out uh, for sure. Um, you know, Emory Hunt's a definite fan of ours. But, yeah, for, for Lamar Miller, I, I have no problem. I, I understand people like, oh, yeah, it's Lamar Miller, whatever. You know, sixth round is great value. Uh, you know, I, I I think it was before anyways, but we did have a little bit. We uh, Of course, we had to have Foreman in the back of our minds, and I was just as shocked as you. I was surprised when you told me that news. I was like, wow. I mean, we know about an Achilles injury, how tough it is to come back. Reports that he was just out of shape, not looking good. Maybe, obviously, I, I think it would have something to do with that. But I think I'd, I know, actually, I'd rather have him than Kenyon Drake. Sony Michelle, we have some concerns about. That's Tevin Coleman. Saying. Yeah, Philip Lindsay. Like, I'm obviously not going to draft Lamar Miller over Philip Lindsay, but I'll pass on uh, Lindsay in the fourth, and I'll take Miller in the next round if, if need be. So I like the offense. He can catch it at the backfields. He's had some games last year. He had some games where he had, you know, 20-plus touches. Uh, you know, I think it can continue. I, I, I'm a little... Um, more, I'm I'm very bullish on the the Texans offense, but I like the passing game more this year, and and the main reason is because number one, they lost Teron Matthew, and so their defense isn't going to be quite as good. No matter who they replace him with, he's not going to be as good as, as Teron Matthew. Number two, their schedule went from the literally the easiest schedule in football to the toughest based on last year's records, and if that's the case, they're they're probably going to be in a lot closer games where they're not just going to be you know. Uh, pounding the ball in the third and fourth quarter. I think Deshaun Watson, that's part of the reason why I'm super high on Deshaun Watson this year. And I know a lot of people are, but but I, I actually think that this elevates the other receivers because I, I don't know that I, I'm still, I'm not, just because Foreman got released doesn't make me want to take Miller even earlier. I think they're going to trade for somebody. They said that they're not looking for anybody to in a trade to supplant him, basically saying like, we're not trading for Melvin Gordon. At the same time, they said they're looking for potentially looking for a guy who would be a primary backup. And that to me is Duke Johnson because Duke Johnson doesn't oh want to be the third string back when they, when they signed Kareem hunt, they, you know, that's when he started having a problem. He had no problem with his role prior to Kareem hunt being there. Now he's like, Oh, am I the third back? And so he has no problem being that second back, the receiving down back. I think he's a perfect fit in this offense. And it would, and it wouldn't surprise me if that did happen, if he ended up taking the starting job from Lamar Miller, because I think he's more talented. I would love that. Yeah. I've been oh, taking man. Duke Johnson at 10th awesome. round. Everywhere. Every, Everywhere, yes. He, worst case scenario, he's with the Browns the entire season. It's still going to be better than last year. He has a role. He's still arguably a top five pass catching running back in the NFL. And I, people forgot that just two years ago, he's one of four people to have ever running back wise to have over 500 yards and all the receiving that he's always been. So I'm with you. I love that. The funny thing, the reason I laughed and chuckled a little, well, not outright laugh just chuckled when you said that Chris is because out my updated rankings for today Lamar Miller and Kenyon Drake are actually back to back and I have them like 25 and 26 and Drake is barely ahead of him and I mean barely and it's just because I'm with you I did move him up like Lamar Miller wasn't in my I don't I think he was just outside the top 30 but he did move up a little bit but not a ton just because I go back two years and this wasn't even intense and purposes or like whatever purposely for that way whatever you want to call it whatever you want to throw on it Going back two years, Lamar Miller played 16 games for the Texans, 238 carries, 36 receptions, 175 fantasy points, and half-point PPR. Mm -hmm. My projections that I spat out last night, 178.8 half-point PPR, almost lockstep in with that season. He did finish as RB16, 
But that was also a pretty miserable year for, like, that was the year that Alex Collins was 17. Deion Lewis finished 15. Duke Johnson, speaking of which, with only 348 uh, rushing yards, was number 14 because he had 74 receptions and 693 receiving yards. So it was a bad year for running back. But, again, that wasn't purposeful, Chris, but I have him at 26. And I understand that 26 means he does probably finish, if he actually gets those numbers over 16 games, probably finishes his around 19 or 20 because of injuries and stuff like that. But I just can't, I can't take him there because I feel like that's the buying all the risk. So mm. do you think the ceiling is higher or do you think that the 178 point, like that range? I'll tell you, it's 977 rushing yards, 245 receiving yards for about six touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, well, he finished his RB23 in PPR formats last season, and I just don't feel like he can you know, be any worse than that. And Fantasy Football Calculator has him as a 30th running back off the board. So, I mean, you got him in the mid-20s. I, I think that's fair. Uh, I Again, I would lean him over, over Kenyon Drake. Um, I don't know what's going on in Miami, and I just don't like their offense at all. I mean, I just think Drake is going to be a big headache. What's going on is that Matthew Berry is swinging the entire football world for <laughs> Kalen, Kalen Balazs. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> having a lot of say. Um, but well, I, For that point, well, actually, no, we'll finish this, and we'll, we'll go to that real quick. We're yeah. going to talk about it, but I, would, I do want to bring that up real quick, so finish your point, Chris. Uh, no, that's basically it. I mean, he's coming off a, a pretty solid season, right? 4.6 yards per, per attempt, you know, the touchdown's they weren't really there. Um, who knows if they will be. But, yeah, to Brad's point as well, maybe they do bring in somebody. Maybe they will bring in another back here in the next couple of weeks. I, I mean, injuries do happen. And I was going to follow up with saying that. I don't know if they need to. It's possible. But I think, what, you know, what, what they have with Miller – I think I think they're satisfied. Well, I was going to say even with Mill, I think Miller, Crockett, and Higdon could be a fine backfield. I think that that's fine in my opinion. But to real quick touch on the Dolphins, we weren't going to talk about that. But since it's here, is we you know we joke about it. We saw, saw, say it all the time. It's groupthink. Is you know if I tweet something that you both like and you start getting in the conversation, and then somebody who follows you guys gets into the conversation. I'm talking about like industry people, and all of a sudden seven or eight industry people are talking about the same person. The group think is everybody just follows those people, and then the conversation, and it starts to bleed out, and it snowballs, and all of a sudden somebody's gone and jumped three rounds in one day. And that, that happens every single year. We see this every single preseason. If it's started by somebody with Matthew Berry's type of following, who's almost in a million followers, you don't even need the snowball effect because it's already like falling off the cliff going at that point. And as you guys have seen, and I'm sure everybody else that has seen, is Balaji brings up almost every other day. So... The interesting thing was, I don't know if you saw it, Chris, because you were out, you know, hanging hanging around anyway. But Brad and Chris, for this point, Balage went for more than Drake did in the auction. Yeah, and I kind of sat back and laughed because I got Drake. Yeah, it's silly. <laughs> I I mean, at at this point, I guess it's a little bit different from an auction. Because you know, in the snake, you know, you're never going to take Balage over over Kenyon Drake. But in the, I mean, in an auction. It's, I mean, to get Drake cheaper is, uh, that's a win. Yeah, I, I would agree for sure. And I, I, mean, I was looking at the the super flex draft that you all had over the weekend just to kind of see where, like, you know, we were talking about Lamar Miller and Deontay, Deontay Foreman. In the Superflex draft, Lamar Miller was the 38th running back taken off, and he actually went after Deontay Foreman, which yeah, obviously that was before the news that. broke. But, <laughs> like, how in the world was he still on the board in the 10th round when, you know, that's a, a, 
basically a starting running back. And so I don't know. I I was shocked at that one for sure that that Foreman went ahead of him for one and number two that thirty seven running backs went before Lamar Miller. Man, so people hate Lamar Miller like they just it's crazy. It's crazy they to me. Want bet and that's the thing. And the, the the truth about Lamar Miller is look at his entire career. We've said it before. He's best in the 15 to 18 touch range, and that's where you get the best out of him. That's my argument against Aaron Jones is that I think he's best in that. It's going to be some of the most super efficient touches Aaron Jones has for any running back, but I think he's best in that role. I think we've seen from Lamar Miller he's best in that role, but that's not necessarily always a bad thing. Like if you can keep him in that role and keep him out of the 20 touch where the efficiency drops. But the one reason I'm a little bit cooler than you are, Chris, is because I side with Brad. That's two for two today. Siding with Brad against you is I'm a little more with Brad. I actually think the passing game improvement hurts Miller a little bit because he's not that great in the passing game. He's actually got one of the lower, at least last year, yards per receptions. And again, I know that's just a jump-off stat, but it does matter for, you know, we count it in fantasy. It counts for our production, knowing how much he's going to have. But I'm a little bit with more of Brad. I think the passing game improvement means more for QT, more for Will Fuller, more for maybe Jordan Thomas, and that might actually hurt Lamar Miller a little bit. But you know, again, no, agree not, as well. I mean, he only had 25 catches last year. It's nothing spectacular, right. yeah. And I actually, I don't even have him for a close. I think I had him like 32 or something. And I believe that. like almost half of them came in like 30, two games. I think he 33. Had, he had like an eight or 10 catch game towards the end of the year. Against, right. I, don't, yeah. I just don't think he's yeah. going to get back to 40 plus. But yeah. another one, and, and it's transition day. Speaking of receptions and how many they're going to get, guess who replied for reinstatement, everybody? <laughs> Josh Gordon is back again. Here we go oh my again. God, we're doing this again. He's not even officially reinstated, but he went as soon as the news broke. He did. I don't think he went in the super flex, but he did go in the auction. He did go in the snake. I updated the Patriots, and because we've also got the news that Nikhil Harry has been struggling constantly, and he's a rookie. And you, if you know any team that doesn't tolerate not performing on the field, it's the Patriots. So Nikhil Harry slid back in my rankings, but it's also because. I don't know what to make of this receiving core at this point. Like, we all assume that we hoped, I should say, that Nikhil Harry would seize that number two job and take over. But now he's not even in my side, inside my top 80 because it's Nikhil Harry. Jacoby Myers, the undrafted free agent who is still a transitioning quarterback that people don't even know from NC State. A lot of people had to look up, and I tweeted out uh, my quick summary on him. He wasn't even in my top four tiers for receivers because he's still learning the position. But Philip Dorsett, Josh Gordon, Dontrell Inman sounds like he could be the one that gets cut because he's he's been like Nikhil Harry but even worse. So of Gordon, Myers, Dorsett, Harry I – mean, are you at the point now? I'll go to Brad first on this one. Are you at the point now, Brad, where you're just kind of like me? Like, I'm not going to even invest the 10th round pick on Harry because I'm just going to avoid anybody that's not Edelman on this team. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like in some ways you have to because, and this, I'll tell you. Oh, who, I forgot Maurice Harris too, but go ahead. Your yeah, boy, Maurice, Maurice Harris, Harris has been making, making yeah, a lot of noise. Cool. So, but I, I, at this point, like I, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Brady's not even like a top 22, 24 quarterback because there's not a lot there. They, they invested quite a bit in their defense there. I think they're just going to be running the ball a whole lot more. I know they just gave him a ton of money, but it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the, the same style of offense that we've seen out of the Patriots the last few years. I really think that, that they're kind of in a transition mode and they can't, they're, they're, I mean, with that group of receivers, you're not just going to be able to air it out. They're only hope to even have a a to me a top half passing game is if Josh Gordon is reinstated early in the season and and I, you know I don't know what that process will be and what kind of timeline we'd be looking at there but it's you know I, I agree that it's Edelman and 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 a bunch of other guys but I don't see anybody else on the outside that you can't cover with one guy as a defense and so there's there's 
to me, there's going to be more reason to double team Edelman. They don't have a tight end of consequence. They don't have, there's, there's nothing there. That's just jumping off the page where it's like, gosh, this guy's a, a huge mismatch and, and they're going to have to double team this guy. Edelman's the only guy that's even kind of like that. And I, it's not that he's a mismatch. It's just that he's good. And, and so I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not buying this offense at all. I, the, the only guy that I really like at, at his value in this whole offense is Damian Harris in the 10th round or whatever he's going. Um, just because I, I think there's a really good chance that he ends up being the, the leading touch guy in this backfield. Um, if, if Michelle's knee is bothering him as much as everybody says it is. Yeah, they're hurting. When you look at the roster, it's hard to believe. Like, <laughs> count out the Patriots again and here they, and you know, you wouldn't be shocked if they were, at least playing back uh, in the Super Bowl, back in the Super Bowl or at least playing. Maurice Harris is the MVP of the Super Bowl. Like, wh- or just some other think? random guy that they pick up halfway through the year that just no, I'm like shows to think up. Of it. Who was the Who was the one that when they won the Super Bowl the one year and he had almost like 200 receiving yards in the Super Bowl? Oh, uh, yeah, I know ah, who you're talking about. Go ahead, keep talking. I'm gonna have to look. Yeah, uh, look you know gonna they're gonna run the now. football a lot. I, I saw reports of Sony Michelle lining up wide and catching passes. So that I mean that goes to show how desperate they are. I like James White. I mean we're forgetting about James White and his 87 catches last year. He's probably gonna with that number again 123 targets there's no reason for At me not point. to think that he won't yeah absolutely i mean especially if some of these guys like harry you're talking about struggling you know maybe he's not going to get a lot of reps early maurice harris like what are we really expecting from him philip dorsett had a couple nice games there where's the inconsistency or where's the consistency going to come from there so there's a lot of question marks I'm not in on this offense either. I think they're going to run the football a lot, but I do like James White, especially in a PPR format where he's going right around the Lamar Miller range. So, I th- again, I think he's going to James White might catches. end up being their best receiver. Yes, he probably <laughs> outside will of Julian be. Outside of Julian Edelman, I would it was say Dan Branch. yes. Dan Branch. Uh, but it was, oh, yeah, it was the 10 receptions for 143 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. It was the game against the Panthers. So, Deion Branch. So that's back. I mean, let's be honest. Tom Br- he's not the same Tom Brady, but Deion Branch, Troy Brown, David Givens, Daniel Graham, Kevin Falk in that game. Like, that's what he was dealing with that season. And I, I understand. Again, it's not the same Tom Brady, but it's like, does Tom Brady really need anybody besides Julian Edelman and James White? Tell it to the Patriots who really. just extended him. <laughs> not to mention, exactly, not to mention, remember – Week nines, they're by, and somebody hanging around who suddenly retired last year might be like, you know what? Looks like you could use a red zone option for the playoff stretch run. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna show back up in week ten. I, don't draft him. That's not, I wasn't saying that. Don't draft Gronkowski. Please don't. Just Please pick, uh, just pick him up just, in the waiver. Uh, that's worse than drafting Kareem Hunt. It's like at least we know Kareem Hunt's coming back. Like this is just wasting a spot that you can't even put on your IR all year long just to hope that he resigns. But. Another one, we like. We haven't even gotten to the NFC East today. We'll probably get like one thing mentioned on that team, but or that division. But the other one was Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick gone from the Lions on the Broncos, signed with the Broncos. And this is a twofold thing because now we're attacking two teams here. Chris, you know how I feel about this. I have already been drafting Ty Johnson in a ton of PPR only, only PPR, maybe, maybe a deep, deep, deep half point PPR, but PPR only because I kept saying that Ty Johnson was drafted to replace the Riddick. I was saying, I'm not saying I saw this coming. I thought it was like 50, 50. He would get cut, but he did get cut and he's there. And we know this Patricia wants roles in this offense. CJ Anderson is replacing LeGarrette Blunt. You know, K- you know, Carry on Johnson is Carry on Johnson. And I do expect a better season from him, but Ty Johnson is stepping into Theo Riddick's role who even in a down season, Theo Riddick still saw 74 targets last year, missing two games. Like, Shouldn't we be paying attention to Ty Johnson, or am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I, and I think in a deeper format, like not your typical 12-team league, I mean, he'll, he'll go undrafted for sure. I mean, C.J. Anderson probably won't go undrafted. Not that I'm excited but about C.J. Anderson. PPR, but in a, yeah, like, no, and 
Agreed. Your your flex running back a couple weeks. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think he's somebody we'll definitely talk about. You mentioned the the targets from from Riddick. This this team's probably going to be passing a lot as much as Patricia wants to you know establish the run and run the football with Carryon Johnson and C.J. Anderson. I, I feel like he you know he's definitely going to utilize Ty Johnson there. So I think it's yeah it's smart. I have a couple shares myself in deeper best ball formats. Obviously you know the news that Theo Riddick is gone certainly you know I feel a lot better about those shares. So I think he's somebody that we'll we'll see a lot in the preseason. We'll see him you know you know get on the field and and what he can do. And on the flip side. I don't know how that makes you guys feel about Philip Lindsay. I know all of us were kind of no, we're gonna about him anyways, but that's that was the big thing for me. That was what I noticed. Like Ty Johnson, sure, but like Philip Lindsay, uh, like I don't know. That's he's gonna obviously we'll, we'll lose do that. a few. Hold on, yeah, okay. put it put yeah. a pin in it. We'll right. go to Brad on. I'm no, too no, excited. This is, this is, no, this is gonna be like a, we're doing like a like a circle. We're snake draft here, so we'll put a pin on that. Get Brad's opinion on Ty Johnson, and then Brad can circle back with the Denver Broncos, and then come back to you, and then I finish it. You see what I'm saying? We'll I got you. Snake draft it. All right, <laughs> so, let's do that. You're on the so clock. Right, so, You're on the clock. So I definitely like Ty Johnson. I, I'm not. He's definitely. I don't think he's as good of a receiver as Theo Riddick. And so even if he's if if he's designed to replace him, I don't think you're going to get the same production because he. I mean, what did he have? Like six catches, eight catches, or something like that last year in college. I, I looked at it a long time ago. But he is bigger than Theo Riddick. He's he's a yeah. you know he's five eleven two ten. So he might be able to handle more carries to where like when Theo Riddick was in the game, you knew they were not going to hand the ball to him. Ty Johnson at least gives you the option of, of running between the tackles and and so and he's he's way faster than theoretic he's way more dynamic and so with that being the case, there's there is at least some explosiveness there that you never had out of Theo Riddick, um, even when he came out of college. So, I, I think there is some some definite upside there. This actually, to me, makes me like Carryon Johnson a little more because I think they're going to use him more in the passing game because he he proved last year he was a, a capable receiver. I. I, I don't know what they're going to do with C.J. Anderson. That's It's kind of a weird spot for him to me. I mean, unless he's just a complete short yardage back and, and vulture touchdowns away from from uh, That's very on. possible, so, actually. Yeah, it's, I think he so, is. I think he's LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah, now. same. Right, and if he is, then, you know, then at that point, this becomes kind of one of those backfields that, like, at their price, I mean, at least at the at the price of on Johnson, I'm not sure I want to take him. I like him, um, but I'm not sure I want to take him there because he doesn't I, – I don't think he has the touchdown upside. I think he's going to lose some receiving, receiving down stuff. And at that point, he's like a a 15 to 15, 18 touch guy, but it's all going to be between the 20s. And if that's the case, um, there's not a whole lot of fantasy value there. I definitely don't want him See, as my running why. back, too. I, at that I don't point. own carry on Johnson anywhere. And it's not because I don't like carry on Johnson. It's just I don't. To your point, Brad, I don't like his price. So do you not also like Philip Lindsay's price now with this signing of Theo Riddick? I didn't like Theo Lindsay's. Uh, or Philip Lindsay's price. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like Philip Lindsay's price um, even before the signing. Like, I, I, I just don't buy into the fact that he's gonna be an every down back. He, he, they tried it last year. He was really successful, and then he got hurt. And that's what you expect out of a guy that is that small. I think you know Flacco has shown this this massive tendency over his career to dump the ball off to running backs. So there is some upside there if that's his role. But I actually think this is. Uh, way better for for Royce Freeman because you got these other two guys kind of fighting over this receiving back spot and now Royce Freeman is uh, to me is going to be the unquestioned first and second down back let these other guys kind of duke it out but I I don't not that Philip Lindsay's not going to get carries I just don't see him being the every down guy anymore and and if Freeman is making any progress at all the only thing to me that's going to hold him back this year is is how bad that team is. And there's a really good chance that there's just in the, not going to be running the ball at all in the second half of games. Uh, yeah, it's very possible. Jake, you're up on the clock, aren't you? 
No, that was you. That was Coming me. Back to you. Yeah, you I, 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 I mean, he said around. he said perfectly. I mean, we've talked about Philip Lindsay's price before. We didn't like it. Now they add a, a pass catching back like theoretic into this offense. No, no thanks. Like another easy fade for me. I, I don't want any Philip Lindsay shares, and maybe that's wrong not to completely ignore him. But in that range again, like Mark Ingram, David Montgomery, James White, those are guys I'd much rather have in my roster. You see, and that's the thing. So I ticked down Philip Lindsay a bit, not a ton, because I don't think he's gonna like he's not gonna cede all of his receiving no. touches or opportunities. Oh, no. to Theo Riddick. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I know you guys weren't saying that, but even if you give Philip Lindsay sixteen games, I actually have Philip Lindsay for a very similar receiving line to last year, just now in sixteen games versus the time he missed last year. And also, I don't even have him for 200 carries. I still have him leading this backfield. To your point, Brad, I still have Royce Freeman as stealing more rushing touches. I have him for 151.652 rushing attempts. And I have Theo Riddick being in the mix. To be honest with you, I still might have Philip Lindsay too high. He's Right now, he's checking in half-point PPR as the RB20. In a non-PPR, he drops almost like six or seven spots. It's a, it's a significant drop. And maybe that's still a little bit too high. And to be honest with you, this is why I actually I'm going to have an article coming out. It's either this week or next week. It's going to be what my quote unquote projections don't tell you. Like saying, like, you know, I do have Lindsay at twenty, but I'm never drafting him at twenty. Mm, like I would yeah, I would have to wait. Like you, you see what I'm saying, Chris? It's yeah. like so Mark Ingram checks in at twenty two, but I've usually drafted him as like RB seventeen or eighteen. Like so it's kind of one of those things where it's like I always go to my projections, but there's a little bit of a wiggle room. And I think we're all kind of saying the same thing is we're we just have an uneasiness with this signing of Philip Lindsay, because now, you know, we, we know the body mass, we know the touches, we know the risk with Lindsay because he got hurt last year. You add in Riddick and it's just kind of like, Oh my God, that, I, I see this being a headache the entire year. Yeah, I do too. I, and, and to Brad's point, again, this is team is going to be playing from behind quite often. So Theo Riddick is going to be on the field. Like I, I agree. Lindsay's probably what are you, 47 tar- targets, 35 catches. That seems fair. Like a number that he could probably get to again. Maybe, you know, maybe he can even flirt see, with 40. One that night. I don't even like it. I, I, yeah, I, I think I'm going to keep playing with it. You probably have to. And Royce Freeman well, have, is, is the so guy. Let me ask you this. I have, I have Riddick for 50 targets. Do you think that's a decent number? Is that too low? No, I think that's that's fair. 50 targets. What do you what do you have last year? Like mid-70s? 74. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I just don't know if he gets used as much because he didn't look great in doing those 74 targets last year. In Detroit, right. I, I will say this. In, in Detroit, he was unquestioned the, the receiving back. five targets. Yeah, I he is he is no doubt the third running back on this depth chart. I definitely think Philip Lindsay plays ahead of him, and not that Riddick isn't going to get some opportunity, but I'm not. I, I don't see 50 tar- targets being realistic because I just don't see him being too high or too low. Off. I, I think it's too low, for, or sorry, too high. For, I think it's too high. I, I put him more in like the 40 range. It's not that he isn't capable. It's just I don't see him when when they have the option. It's like okay, we're down by 20 points in the second half. We're just going shotgun and passing all the time. I don't see him them being like, oh, we've got to get him on the field because, you know, I, I think I think Lindsey and Freeman are both capable receivers. Lindsey obviously is. I think Freeman is a capable enough receiver where they're still going to have him out there. Um, he's dynamic enough. I just I think theoretic is mostly just insurance from an NFL standpoint, not a fantasy standpoint for the Broncos. I, you can never have too many running backs. We've seen that over and over again. But I, I think he's more going to be there in case like, what if Lindsey goes down again? Then we at least have a guy to, to plug in now instead of nobody. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I, I and I think he'll play himself into a role. I think Lindsey's good enough as a pass catcher. 
he will play well, himself is, into a role. This is one of those situations where it's clear, like, your opinion is going to matter whether or not you get Philip Lindsay. Either you, you like him and yeah. you're going to draft him mostly before most people are, or you're kind of like us, maybe hesitating. I mean, you're pretty much going to get zero shares of Philip Lindsay. It's yeah. just kind of, this is what happens every single year. There's some guys like that, like Kerry and Johnson. He's the same way. It's like, if you're on him, you're on him. If you're not, you probably have zero shares like Chris and I do. Uh, do you have any shares of Kerry on? No, Johnson? no, I. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I know you said no. Yeah, yeah I, I already heard you. Yeah, yeah, I I do, but every time that I took him, it was in the fourth round. I never took him in the third. Where okay, yeah, that's a good price. Yeah. And where, yeah, yeah. yeah, so when I got to the fourth and he was still there, I'm like, okay, I'll pull the trigger now. Yeah, I think he's gonna go up now because of this news. I feel no like no question. Yeah, he, he already has. Yeah, so, I'm looking at fantasy football calculator now. I mean, July 24th, he was the third pick in the fourth, and now he's the third pick in the third. That's a yeah. span of yeah. I mean, that's two weeks, right? So there. Lindsay or Carry On's moving up. Yeah, Carry On's yes. moving okay, up. Okay, okay. Going I thought up you meant Lindsay first. I was like, whoa, wait, wait, hold on, <laughs> no. time out here. No. All right, so we do have. We'll get in a little bit of the NFC. Who is the? What's the quickest thing we could? You know what? The quickest thing we could do. Giants. Giants. Yeah, because who cares? <laughs> Saquon Barkley and what the <laughs> next? No, I do have to say this. No, like, like, here's the one thing I have to say, and everybody knows at this point it's not coming from a homer's perspective because I like laughing at the Giants at this point. I don't care anymore. The quarterback situation doesn't matter for fantasy unless you're in a two quarterback league, and at that point, it's kind of pick your poison and trying to guess when Daniel Jones is going to start because he's not even getting first team reps, which you have to evaluate. A- any player on first team reps, and they're not even doing that because the Giants are stupid. So that's on the side. Saquon Barkley in contest, a discussion, whatever for the number one pick. That's there. Evan Ingram, top five tight end. We like. There's so many clear things. The only unclear thing, Chris, is the wide receiver situation. So Golden Tate is suspended for the first four games. We covered that last week. I agree with Brad. You know, part of me is like, oh, I want to be understanding, but I agree with Brad in the fact that like they're not going to change because especially it happened a couple years ago, and you have to live by the rules. He's going to be suspended for the first four games. Even before the first four games suspension for Golden Tate, Chris, I thought Sterling Shepard was in the same value because he was going outside the top 40. With the Tate news, he still hasn't climbed much. He's at wide receiver 38 and half point PPR. I don't care if he struggles outside like Randall Cobb did when he was asked to be outside as the number one for the Packers because I think he can handle the outside more than Randall Cobb can. This is just the fact that He's the number one receiver. Even if you factor in Barkley getting 100-plus targets, Evan Ingram getting 100-plus targets, Sterling Shepard should see 100-plus targets. I don't care what team you're on. If you're getting 120, 130 targets, you should be in the wide receiver three conversation for me, Chris. Yeah, you should. And maybe because he's a giant? I don't know. Like, I I really – I don't understand. I I have – Quite a few shares, actually, of Sterling Shepard. I like where he's going in drafts and, you know, the eighth round, middle of the eighth. And, you know, I've noticed over the past week since the injury news, and I think he's going to be fine to start the year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... No, it sounds like week three of the preseason. Week three, yeah. So he'll be fine. And, you know, even still with the with that news, he's kind of dropped down a little bit, which is, is a little bit surprising considering the fact that you mentioned Golden Tate. Obviously, we know about him not going to be around for the first four weeks of the season. Offense is not going to be good throwing the football. So, yeah, I have no no problem with Sterling Shepard. He's, he's still a target of mine. And uh, Evan Ingram is obviously a target of mine for sure. They're going to have to throw the football to somebody. Let me pivot yeah, the question on you, Brad. Hold on, hold on. Before I know your answer, let me pivot. Let me pivot the question on you. Can there be poor target volume? Like, is 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 there ever a breaking point for you where I don't care how many targets you're going to get, they're still not going to be that good? Uh, I, to a point, but I it doesn't that doesn't affect me when I'm drafting. So because it's if I know a guy is going to be the essentially the number one option at least as a wide receiver. I mean, I. I if he gets a hundred targets, then to me he is still worth. It doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter how far down the field they are or what the game situation is or whatever. I, I don't see him as a big red zone threat. And that to me is the, the only thing right. kind of holding him back. At the same time, he's dynamic enough that he may bust a 50-yard touchdown on a on a five-yard target. So it, it's Well, here's it's the one thing, possible. Brad, just to, just to come at you, like, again, to come at you from like a, hey, maybe not. Like, let's also look at Sterling Shepard and look at it. He actually has a pretty high touchdown rate for his amount of receptions in his first few seasons. Do you think right? And but, but those so, are well, those are not red zone looks. Those are th those more dynamic plays. I don't think he's getting a ton of red well, zone. Some looks, of them are red zone. Well, let me there. clarify. Some of them are red zone. Not many of them are end zone. To put the difference there, and so like maybe sure, sure. maybe that's more the factor for you. Yeah, for sure. He, I mean, he's just not big enough to be a, a, a monster in zone threat. Ingram is right. a monster in the middle. You've got Barkley who they they do a little swing pass outside and no linebackers tackling him one on one. So so if that's the case, then I, like I said, he's gonna have to make a, a, a person miss and then just bust it to the end zone. I still think that happens, you know, fairly frequently. Like I I would have no issue projecting him for like eight eight or nine touchdowns this year, but not that he's going to be catching the ball in the end zone unless it's a, you know, 50-yard bomb where they're dropping it in the end zone. I, I just see him being a guy who's going to get those shorter targets. Even if he's playing outside, he's still going to get the slants, the, the you know, the, the crossing pattern type stuff where he's he's going to catch the ball underneath because he's not going to be this guy that's, that's beaten, you know, big cornerbacks on the outside. He's going to have to, they're going to have to be shifting him around a little bit to get him the ball. He's still going to get a lot of touches. I still, I have no problem getting him. I actually have no problem drafting Eli Manning in the 20th round or whatever, because I don't see, I maybe at some point this year, they give Daniel Jones a shot. I don't know. And that that'll depend on if he progresses or not, but I have no problem. Like, especially in a super flex or a, you know, if, if you're a best ball and you're taking three quarterbacks, grabbing Eli Manning as the third, because there will be a lot of passing opportunity for this team. Their team is terrible. And so I, I think just on a sheer volume, he might have 600 attempts this year if he's if he's the quarterback for 16 weeks. And if he does, there's just there's an opportunity there for a lot of a lot of, you know, positive game script fantasy points. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Surprisingly, Sterling Shepard was top 10 among wideouts in red zone targets last year, one behind uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I know right, Beckham missed some time. I was, I was clarifying time. that for Brad as the red zone versus I think he's thinking end zone. Yeah, I, no, I he's was, right I'm not, because... I'm talking like you're not here, Brad. <laughs> no, but he's, <laughs> he's right with the type of, you know, uh, you know, the slants and the crossing routes and, right. you know, those... That's Which, how to utilize Sterling Shepard. To that point, yeah. Chris, is like maybe because Odell's not there, right. maybe he doesn't get as many as those. Maybe yeah. he's, if he's lining outside, and we've all seen that Eli Manning hasn't, I don't think he's ever been very good at throwing the fade. If, if Plaxico Burris was the only reason he even hit that one in the, in the, yeah. in the Super Bowl, is like if you're trying to throw those to Sterling Shepard, I don't think he's coming down with a lot of those. No, for comparison's no. sake, would you rather have Brad and Chris, would you guys rather have Jarvis Landry or Sterling Shepard? Uh, you know, I think I'd rather have Sterling Shepard. Not this yeah. is not even close for me. Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis Landry is extremely undervalued that right now because I I just I I think the offense takes a step forward and he now is back kind of in the same role he was in Miami. I think I could easily see him going over 100 catches again. Oh, jeez. Well, how many catches is Beckham gonna have? Over 102? 11 billion. No, no, no. I don't see Beckham getting 100 Mayfield's catches. Beckham throwing I... 700 balls this year. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just I know you're not. No, saying like that. He, we, I'm gonna we say Beckham. That. Beckham could have like 80 to 90 catches, but they're going to be deeper targets, you know, deeper, deeper receptions. But I just think this Beckham's going to draw a lot of attention away that that Landry well, didn't so then, have anybody to do that last year. Am I correct in assuming then you're down on Njoku? 
Yeah, I I don't I would put Njoku as maybe like my my tenth tight end or or twelfth tight end, and that's solely based on upside. Um, because I I just don't see him between Duke Johnson and and the Duke Johnson was there, Kareem Hunt was there, or when he comes back, um, you know the the receivers they have. Um, and I'm not even talking about Nick Chubb. Like he, he can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield too. Right. I just don't see Njoku getting a lot of volume. And yes, he's going to be a potential red zone threat, but he was a red zone threat last year and he still didn't get a ton of touchdowns. And so I don't see now that Beckham's there, he's not going to, he's going to see even less at, at that point. So I, I'm, I would say down on Njoku probably compared to everybody else. And, and, you know, when my tight end rankings come out on, on fantasy pros, you're going to see you see that compared to you know the, the consensus or whatever landry much higher than probably the much higher yeah well. for sure so, all right so before we get out of here we only have one quick hit one for today and if it's it's baseball related so if everybody wants to tune out but it's not baseball fantasy it's just baseball i've been wanting to ask brad about this it's just because it's happened recently and it happened again over the weekend so i want to keep asking this as like this is a real mlb thing and i, I wanted your opinion too obviously chris but i'm going to brad first on this one so it happened two weeks ago and watching this is one of those 16, 15 inning games. And it's the ones where it's the position players start throwing. And just because there's like nothing left and you've already you know expended the benches. And then I see another one recently after that, Brad, where it was like 14 to two. And so they pull in the left fielder instead of wasting a pitcher on you know the rest of the game. And it's like the sixth inning. And then there was one over the weekend. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Velasquez was in left field. Uh, Roman Quinn was pitching for the Phillies. And it got me thinking, Brad, and I was just sitting here. I was like, would MLB, and I, this is why I wanted to come to you, as a player's perspective, if you were the player, and I actually think, at least in my opinion on the outside looking at I could be completely wrong. I would think the MLB players would be more behind this than the actual team. Is just forfeiting the game. Like, instead of saying, <laughs> asking a position player to pitch and, like, potentially, you know, throwing something out of whack doing that, putting a pitcher in left field like Velasquez, wasting time in a game where you're down by 15 runs with only three innings to play. Look, let's just get this over with. We want to go to tomorrow. We lost the game. Or it's the 17th inning. We have nobody left. You know what? You take this win. We'd rather get some sleep and come after for tomorrow. Do you think the players or anybody would ever be behind that? Is this just an insane, stupid idea, Brad? No, so let me tell you what the players are behind in this scenario. Not the Velasquez thing, because that was a close game. Like, that was a 4-3 to three game in this, what, 16th inning, 14th inning, whatever it was. Right. That's something that, that the players don't want to change. And, like, if you run out of guys, that's because you used six relievers in the first nine innings, and then you had nobody left. That was kind of your choice. Um, at the same time, I was, I, a side note, I was a little disappointed that Velasquez didn't throw that ball left-handed at home. Like, fire off his glove and throw it left-handed, <laughs> because we saw that play last year, and, and it would have been fun to see. At the same time... Um, what the players are, I think a, a lot of the players are, and I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a, a vast majority are like a run rule where it's like, if you're up eight or 10 after seven innings, the game's just over at that point. Yeah. And you see it in little league, you see it in, in college sometimes or, or whatever, but that saves pitching in a game that is already decided. And, you know, yes, there have been comebacks. I'm not going to say that it's a hundred percent. Um, you know, that team's guaranteed but to win. But it's like 98. <laughs> Right. It's, it's so, it's so extreme that like the vast majority of players at that point, like the game's not even fun. Fans are leaving. Like it's, you're just kind of going through the motions to get through the game at that point. And it's, 
it, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to have to use your seventh or eighth or ninth inning guy to get through a game like that because you you're out of pitching because your starter lasted you know one and two thirds or something. They I've this has been proposed and it's it's something that I could actually see happening. I don't know if it'll be the next CBA, but sometime in the future where that that is implemented where because of the the exactly what we're talking about. We don't want to see guys get hurt in a game that's you know, 14 to two in the sixth inning or seventh inning of a game, just in the game right there. It's not so much a forfeit as much as like the game's just ending. And the other thing that it, it would do as far as at least generating excitement, let's say the let's say the rules like eight runs after seven innings and, and the game's over. Well, if you're up seven and you got a chance to literally oh, hit yeah. a walk-off homer in an eight yeah. to two or a nine to two game or something, that would be a blast to like, it generates excitement. Like, oh man, they've got a chance to end the game here. I and like it. it yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's just a little more intrigue. So I don't know. To me, I I think that's happening. I, there, I don't think there will be a forfeit situation because that's that's affecting the integrity of the game. Um, where, but it's, it's you know, I mean, it's, it's like, essentially forfeiting let... without saying you're forfeiting for the right, run rule, right? Yeah. yeah. But it just yeah, it's it's just it becomes a rule na- like where you don't. It's not a choice that you're making. Like to literally walk up to the umpire and say, "Hey, we got nobody left. We're done." Yeah. As opposed yeah, I, to I, like I it's just a rule. So um, I. I I don't know. I could see it happen, and I think it actually would be good for the game. And and as a reliever who got thrown into some games like that, I am all for it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's nice to have that inside information because I'd imagine a lot of people are are feeling like that too. Brad, all for it. I mean, this game's out of hand. Let's shut it down. Let's let's finish this yeah. thing. And right traditionalists now. hate it. Like the traditionalists. Oh yeah, you know, that's why I don't uh, think you'll know, see forfeits because you talk. They about don't integrity. like replay. They don't like this stuff. Yeah, they they are like, no, we don't want run rule. That's little league stuff. And yeah. like when you're actually going through the grind of 162 games in six months, any chance you get to save a couple innings for your bullpen is huge. Like at that point, you almost, it's kind of like if a, if a game has rained out in the sixth or seventh inning, you know, if it's like a five run game and, and rain comes, you're like, Oh, maybe they'll just cancel it. And we won't have to use any more pitchers just to get through the rest of this game. And, and you know, that's the mindset of a lot of players, especially relievers, because no one wants to go out and pitch in that game after the rain delay. And so it's, you know, why not, you know, why not just make it that way, whether there's rain or not, if it's a blowout game, just end it. They need to do something about the extra inning games. I know they, they talked about that before. Was it minor leagues, Brad, when they said, you know, maybe we'll get to the 10th or the 11th inning. We'll start somebody on second base or. Yeah. They, I mean, they do that now. It's yeah. I think they should really consider that in major league baseball. We're seeing a lot of extra inning games lately. I'll tell you the reason I, I'm not a huge fan of that one is because of, there that affects that pitcher stats even if it doesn't hurt his era he's going to get a loss if he gives up that run and they they lose uh, the game I never thought and about that. yeah and it, it ends up affecting like arbitration and that kind of stuff and yeah you can, well, can, can maybe can kind of sidebar that a little un, bit but on like an unearned run like it considered like, a, it, it, like it's, a it's considered an unearned run but it, it still is the loss for the pitcher that's in the game at that point because it, whether it's an unearned run or not you still get the winner of the loss so um, it, it's, I don't know, it, it may not be that big of a deal in the grand scheme because you could say like, well, four of his losses were when there was a runner on second to start the inning. And at the same time, the team can sit there and argue, well, yeah, but those are yeah, the other teams in the same situation. They did give up that run. Yeah. Like it's, it, it just, it, it puts you in a tough spot as the pitcher to, to be in the game at that spot. Um, at the same time in the minor leagues, the, the reason they do it in the minors is because like in AAA, they only have a 23 man roster. It's a shorter roster. Um, so they have less pitchers on the roster to start with. And when you start running into a 16, 17 game in the, in the, in the minor leagues, that crushes you. Cause you can't just call up somebody for the next day because the, the double yeah, a team also has a, yeah, it's, it's not the same, 
you know, so the same situation. It, so, are you- uh, yeah, I, I am behind it. Some of these games, like I said, are getting out of hand. Uh, I, I don't want to see the, for- I don't want to see forfeits though. Like, I think you no, just have to have, rule. yeah, mercy rule. You have to have some sort of rule in play. I, and I think better. I, I would have to double check this, but two weeks ago, the only team in baseball that had a win while allowing ten runs were the Yankees. So, I mean, you don't see quite often once teams get to yeah, that. So ninety-eight percent might have been overestimated. Yeah, <laughs> once you get to that threshold of like ten, eleven. 12 runs, uh, you you could shut it down. But I'm all for the comebacks, but you're not seeing them typically, you know, from the 7th to 8th inning on, teams down by 8 or 10 runs. You're not going to see that. No, well, speaking of shutting it down, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I told you it was transition day. Uh, we are shutting <laughs> things down for today. A plus. We'll be, back on, <laughs> we'll be back on Wednesday. Make sure, like, again, draft kit. Second wave is out today. We already had 50-plus articles before today, and now there's even more with the additions of Eric Moody. We have Matt Medica doing high stakes, talking base, football and baseball together, and also Corey Parson over here. Have you seen it? Don't be an idiot. Don't be, Don't an, be an idiot. idiot. Yeah, Don't he's talking about rookies. I love it. Good, yeah. good start for Corey. Yeah, I mean, he's completely wrong on Josh Jacobs, but read it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Make sure you're following Chris Meany at Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler, Brad Ziegler, and I'm an all kid, and we'll be back on Wednesday. We love you guys. We'll talk to you later.